For me, it was totally obvious that it's not just radio on the internet, because it worked differently. We really need to focus on a software toolset that is made for podcasters, by podcasters. But you don't really have to explain the full story every time. So we did that for 10 years, it's over now, podcasting is here, it's not going to uh, leave the building. So how can we improve this medium to actually strengthen uh, it at, at, at those parts where it makes most sense for both producers and listeners? Podcasting has existed now for close to 12 years. And in that short time, we've seen success stories, waves of popularity, beloved programs that come to an end, all kinds of attempts to move the medium forward. Of all the initiatives ever to be brought to podcasting, today's guest spearheaded one of the most revolutionary from his personal media recording studio in Berlin. The initiative is known as Podlove, and the person is named Tim Pritlove. And perhaps most importantly, today on the program, he and I discuss how the project has matured and its lasting impact on podcasting throughout the world. For Wikimedia Deutschland, I'm Mark Fonseca Renderu, and this is Source Code Berlin. Speaking today with uh, Tim Pritlove at Meta Ebene Studios in Berlin. No better place to record a podcast, perhaps on planet Earth, but definitely in the city of Berlin. Uh, hello, Tim. Hello. So... There's many things that one could talk about with Tim Pritlove, uh, but my focus today is very much on this project that is has become such a big part of what you're busy with, uh, if not on a daily basis, at least on a regular basis. Uh, I'm speaking here of what what is called Podlove, and I want to make sure that people out there, no matter where you live in the world, no matter if you are technical, aren't technical, that you could... Um, follow this. So I want to start from the beginning, as we often have to. Um, you produce podcasts. You've done so now for... Where are we years. Yeah, 10 years. And even before you produce podcasts, which is around the time that I met you, um, you were following what was going on with the, the birth, the primordial ooze that became uh, podcasting, uh, which was somewhat influenced by radio and, and a couple of other traditions that is all sort of met blogging, perhaps... You know, these are these are my translations. And so, I did actually uh, uh, another radio show on normal radio, uh, also for ten years uh, up to that point, which in itself, if you look back, also sounds very podcasty. Doing your own radio show somewhere? Yes. Yeah. No, it wasn't my. It was the uh, show of the Chaos Computer Club. So I did it together with other people. But the style we were sort of developing there, or not developing, yeah, was like podcasts today. We are switching to English now, short German introduction, so that everybody knows what's, uh, to, what to expect. And I say welcome to Joey Ito. Hello, Joey. Hi, Tim. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Um, actually, for the second time at the Chaos Communication Congress, you had a talk last year already on your uh, emergent democracy paper, which was more uh, or less the 
Yeah, one of the reasons why we were. And and at that time, you're looking at how I, a lot of us who make podcasts, I think, know that it can t it can be very not just time consuming. It's the the steps that are involved, what it takes to make this piece of audio that you, the listener, right now are listening to. Uh, it takes a bit of work, right? And at that time, uh, I want to bring people back to that world of what it took to put out a piece of audio. Um, and, and then that question of what do we do about it? <laughs> um, so here we have a project called pod love, but once upon a time it didn't exist. <laughs> um, what were you, uh, what was going on in your head making podcasts and thinking, no, you know what? I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a, I'm going to focus on a new tool. Matter of fact, not just a tool, it's going to be a community, but let's start with the, the tool itself. What were you looking to do? with the founding of Podlove or the starting of it? So when I first decided to do my own shows, um, I really had to learn a lot and I, um, everything was new to me. I didn't know the audio world. I was no, no musician. I never felt the urge to produce any kind of sound. So microphones were new, headphones were new. Of course, I've used this and that in some occasions, but I never really focused on what was important for producing a show. And although I was kind of aware of like how the web works and how publishing works and how this whole podcasting stuff uh, is meant to work, uh, it, it was really a, a longer phase of, of actually learning the intricacies of, of all these uh, things combined. So the whole workflow was something that needed to be completely uh, assembled from scratch using tools that were not made for this particular process. Yeah. And while some things like headsets, certain microphones are just like what you want to or do, what you want to use, certain other things like the recording software was made for musicians and was valuing things only musicians value while they were totally useless for anybody who's doing radio. Of course, there's a the professional radio scene, but they are using much more expensive tools because it's all built into huge studios because that's, that's what you needed to have in order to do radio, right? Big studios meant for FM broadcasting, but nobody was envisioning somebody sitting in their own room doing a show. By the way, thinking about tools and, and those days, how did you learn to even just edit audio? By doing. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a, a big master in this. I'm probably not a master in any of these things. <laughs> um, it's just the combination of everything that creates new value. Yeah. So at a certain point in time, um, I, I looked at, at my workflows and I looked at all those um, points in that workflow where I could make errors and have made errors, which you know, tend to either produce wrong results or just throw you back. So you have to return from scratch and do this again, do that again, render it uh, again, upload it again, edit it again, and so on. Um, yeah, and at some point in time, I felt the urge that we really need to focus on a software tool set that is made for podcasters by podcasters that completely ignores everybody else's um, use cases. 
so yeah it can be freed from uh, a certain complexity that is of yeah no value to us yeah i mean and so it's one of those tools that i think or one of those issues that hinders more people creating podcasts the fact that okay you may have an idea of what you want to talk about or or what kind of audio you want to capture but then that idea now you also have to get into the technical side you have to edit you have to not just edit that's one thing i asked you about but there's the exporting but not even just the exporting there's the specific information that goes into this uh mp3 or whatever kind of file you're using uh, and then when it finally goes on the web how it looks i mean again these are things we don't often think about because especially in 2016 the web is the place where uh, you don't have to know how it works right you just go and if there's a button you hit play if there's a or if it's a matter of subscribing. So we're so used to things just working, right? And and even some companies have have built their their whole empire on the idea that it just works and it's it's going to be easy. But podcasting started from a far different place. I mean, very fragmented workflow, different software even just for just in terms of recording, mm. microphones, well, you know, that's lots of choices. Uh so you as you said, you wanted to focus on the podcasters, right? So to begin with, what's your first step in terms of starting Podlove? Because I almost remember back to those days when you showed me like a website and it said Podlove and I saw the graphic and, and I, at that time I did not follow where you, how far you were looking. Um, <laughs> but what did you begin with? What was the first thing that you wanted to fix? If you remember. Well, the biggest problem was publishing. That was really the part that uh, sucked most because mm. there was only a few certain small solutions that tried to tackle the, the minimum needed to actually produce what could be technically called a podcast. But it wasn't really what I considered to be a podcast in the sense that I want to deliver a certain message to people in a way that it can be consumed easily found easily, um, identified as a podcast easily, and probably even found again. You know, common problem in the internet, you find things easily, but uh, <laughs> finding something again, that's a problem. So uh, just let me pick out this one example. Identifying something as a podcast. Um, back then there was still a fight of how to call this, you know, <laughs> audio blogging was sort yes. of mixing the two things that come together here. Technically it was audio blogging, it was using a blog for audio, but audio blogging that didn't really, you know, it didn't really cut it. And, and, and podcasting in a way uh, by describing this whole workflow of how you actually distribute that that's in that word, you know, you, you, you broadcast to the pod, you, you <laughs> broadcast to this tiny thing that you have in your pocket and, and that delivers the audio on demand, which is still the case today. And although back then it was a complicated thing to do, you needed a computer that then syncs it to an iPod or whatever device you have, uh, nowadays it's become so much easier. And that was one of the things I saw that of course, internet is going to be faster, internet is going to be more available, internet is going to be in every device. 
and now we have it with uh, hmm. smartphones. So the technic uh, technicalities around this was working for us, but we still needed to make it easy to actually show stuff and make it visible and as I said before, make it identifiable because usually a podcast in these days was a normal blog and then in a tiny corner you saw a little triangle <laughs> that you were supposed to click, a few pixels you know, across and how should people know that this was not a blog, that it was not just an ordinary website. So I felt it was important to say podcasts are a new medium that are separate from the other mediums. They are not blogs. They are also not like FM radio. They are not TV. They are not YouTube. Podcasts are their own thing. Hmm. Not everybody saw it like this, but for me it was totally obvious that it's not just radio on the internet <laughs> because it worked differently. It was the way you produce it is differently. The way you consume it is differently. And, and the whole content uh, landscape that was opened up by Uh, podcasting didn't really exist like like this before so that was what we were we were focusing on and that's why the portal of publisher what was at the core of that development a tool set plugged into wordpress that gave podcasts a certain look both to the user but also to the podcaster by providing a user interface that it was oriented along this typical workflow supporting um methods to bring in metadata to um, upload your uh, audio and, and place it in the web at the point in the way you need it and where everybody could find it. Yeah. For those familiar with um, any kind of uh, creation of a website or, or content management systems, at that time it was, and it still is, uh, uh, this was a plugin, so Podlove was a plugin that goes into WordPress. WordPress being such a largely widely used uh, uh cms it's uh, the elephant in the room still yes mm. yes <laughs> wait <laughs> nobody wants to talk about it <laughs> no but i remember even back then i was a wordpress user since then i'm sure many people have seen it a lot of a lot of times even if you don't keep a blog yourself you're at some job and that job is using wordpress to manage the company's website it happens a lot so the fact that it was just a plugin for wordpress was very in theory anyway, and, and actually in practice, easy to get into. You know, just, okay, I'm going to add this feature onto my existing WordPress. Now, that's going to activate all these, a few new options that I've never seen before, but they'll be familiar if I'm interested in producing podcasts, if I've ever tried or successfully uh, made any. So um, that, in a sense, was a what I feel is a, is a wise strategy or an interesting strategy that you, you don't completely reinvent the wheel right you yes. you you take some existing tools that make sense and we turn it into something that that is still uh different but doesn't replicate what doesn't need to be replicated because it's already there and already people are used to it also um we were focusing not every single podcaster out there there are other solutions simple uh hosted solutions that make it far easier to publish very simple stuff that's not what we wanted to address What we wanted to address are podcasters who are totally into it, who uh, want to improve the overall um, platform, the overall uh, infrastructure of podcasting in general, and that are also open to, to change and, and are looking for a certain progress. 
So we started out with new features like chapter marks, bringing them into the web, make it easy to access, giving, showing that, that we wanted to uh, present podcasts with a certain structure also. Hmm. It's not only you start here and you end somewhere there and then you listen to two hours and then you don't know where you were. So we wanted to give people these tools. And there were lots of chicken and eggs problems uh, to solve on that path. But somehow um, we see a certain success here. Um, there is a certain adoption, especially under um, f by podcasters that are you know, subscribing to the idea that it needs to move forward somehow. Yeah, Even just the one example, and it's a very good chicken or the egg kind of situation of chapters, right? Now here's an option that existed if you wanted to make a podcast with chapters. This has existed for 10 years as an option. Yes. The problem is, well, it seems as though we have several layers of problems and one is the creator themselves might not be able to Had implement no it. to do it, yeah. And the listeners also may not be familiar with that and I think we still struggle with that a bit yes. with the web. People don't always know what's the capability of, okay, there's audio on a, on a website but what more, what beyond, what enhancements are there? And one of those is just the simple option when you see this list of chapters to be able to go directly to where you want in audio Uh, is not something everybody's familiar with in their everyday use of the internet or even podcasts. Um, and still to this day, you know, today, right now, there's probably some people for the first time noticing, what is this list on, you know, Source Code Berlin? Uh, what, oh, I can select the specific line? Like, it's still not familiar. Habits on the internet, I think, are part of what you often are, are sometimes clashing with, uh, or at least what you have to negotiate. Yeah, and, and it's not only habits, it's also how should they know? If there are no podcasts who have chapters, how should they um, develop the hunger for it? And if there's nobody asking for it, how should podcasters, you know, feel that this is something, if they put energy into it, it would be highly appreciated. So that that's the chicken egg problem here at that part. And you have it with certain other things too, other things that we have been planning for a while now and that are probably as far away as chapters have been in the beginning. But if you sort of concentrate on it and focus, and especially with this certain audience we selected as our target group, like who are we catering to? We cater to podcasters who understand this, who are open for change and who are open for experimental stuff. They use it, other people see it, and then you get the ball rolling. And that's very important. That's why we are addressing this specific area of people. How did you find the, uh, the specific podcasters or the, you know, the people that would be interested? I was one. Yes. For a start. Yes. Um, which was enough for me. I wanted it. <laughs> Problem is finding programmers who, uh, <laughs> you know, find this enough of an audience or at least believe that this uh, audience might actually be increased in the future. Well, uh, Eric, who was working from on the project from uh, day one, was actually subscribing to the idea. It's also important that they listen to podcasts. Because if you're not listening to podcasts, you can't make software for it. Uh, <laughs> you really have to, to, to use it. And I really like the initial idea when uh, Adam Curry came up with his first podcast show. And he was also in that process of he wanted it to work. You know, he was also in the business of 
getting this whole workflow, which by then was like the, the initial idea of podcasting per se, putting out a file, mentioning, mentioning it in another, which was downloaded and which was the instruction to download this file automatically and then pass it on to the iPod. It is time for your daily source code, and I've been doing some uh, some testing for you actually over uh, over the weekend, over the past couple of days. I'd sent away even before BloggerCon, uh, which was uh, November. Hey, by the way, uh, so it's, it's about six, wait, five five weeks since uh, BloggerCon, and no tobacco. Uh, um, I had ordered an iRiver. I think it's the seven fifty. Hold on a second. Let me get. Let me just grab it here. I think it's the seven fifty five. Hold on, I have it. And to, to make this tool chain running and to uh, um, make programmers subscribe to this idea, he was producing a podcast for it. True. Yeah, it was to the motivate. The source yeah. code. That's why uh, it was called that way. Yeah. And it was a very interesting idea. And he was sort of betting on a community. And he was creating a community and he was fueling his own charm and input into it. And that worked uh, pretty well. And I think that was kind of inspiring for me. And I think that's how things in general, work fine on the internet. So he was understanding this, and uh, yeah, it worked out for Potlove somehow. We didn't really create a specific show for it. We experimented uh, with that, but in a way, there was already enough podcast there. Once there was a new feature in the publisher, 10, 20, 30 more podcasters are going to use it uh, quickly, and then it can spread now. So... This is a self-growing experiment. We also uh, came up with events, meetings, workshops, meeting, inviting people, talking to them, know each other. And now there's a larger community of, I don't know, 200 people, probably 300 yeah. in Germany that is working more on this and come up, comes up with new ideas. Yeah, And impressively, this is a community that even has a, it sustains itself uh, You're, you're the some of the people working on the project even work full-time on it? Well, not as full-time as uh, it could be, but they're spending quite a few time on it, yes. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, um, yeah, we, we, we take donations, but it hasn't really um, reached a level where it was completely self-sustaining. Uh, I think at this point in time, this is still too small, To be, to be a Mozilla-like <laughs> business. No, it's never going to be like this. doesn't really have to. Um, maybe this changes uh, in the future. We will see. Depends on how much work we, we put into these kind of thoughts. But right now, we are more focusing on creating the community on a second level, uh, including talking to programmers of podcasting clients to adopt our standards that we think are a good idea and so on. So uh, this works sometimes good sometimes not so good it's uh, complicated because now we are actively extending beyond german borders and uh, while we have this communication advantage in, in inside the german podcasting community which is always you know metadata loving germans you know look at wikipedia what happened there uh, it's the same story um they understand this but it's not something that 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 easily uh gets communicated across uh, the oceans i see the first baby steps in uh the us for instance that they're now finally getting that uh advanced publishing more metadata actually makes sense Because they all want to be indexed by search engines. They all want to be found. They all want to make it easy for people to get into a certain podcast, not only podcasting in general. 
many people have listened to podcasts now and I think we can state that 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 podcasting as such is a known thing now. Right. Not everybody is doing it, but you don't really have to explain the full story every time. Yeah, we did that for 10 years. Yes, we <laughs> did that for 10 years. It's over now. Podcasting is here. It's not going to uh, leave the building. Mm. And now it's more a matter of, so how can we improve this medium to actually strengthen uh, it at, at, at those parts where it makes most sense for both producers and listeners. And well, there are many, many fields to explore things like transcripts being combined with the audio, things like actually um, making the people visible behind it. You know? Yeah. We, we, we did this in the publisher already that on a web page you can just like name the people and we've already updated contact information. Yeah. Just a simple thing has changed a lot because you know, oh, like, oh right, there are people behind it. Yeah. In the future, I'd like to see the speaking activity being reflected on the web page when you play back uh, the podcast because you really want to know who said that. Who said that, right. Yeah, that, that's a problem. And if you know who said that, you know okay, that's the dynamic here and those are the people who are involved in that dynamic and now I understand it. Now I don't need these avatars lighting up anymore because now I would know the voices. But I have, you know, it, it was made easy for me to, to get into the format and although many people still consider video to be sort of like a premium medium, which I wouldn't subscribe to, it's another medium, it's good for other things, but the podcasting is very good for audio podcasting is very good uh, for a completely different uh, set of things. And, and we need to remove the obvious disadvantages of not having video right. for certain things while still focusing on audio only because that's really what it's all about. It's about voices, it's about personality, it's about opinion, it's about uh, community a lot as well. And... Um, it's somehow easier to consume than something you have to stare at for a longer period. Right. But a lot of these tools and uh, seem to be a, a bridge from what is a very visual internet, or at least people seem very visually inclined, that can bring them into an audio world that perhaps at first is not their first choice, is not their number one thing mm -hmm. every day. I mean, I think, I don't know what the stats are these days, I guess text is still the number one thing uh, in terms of how people consume their information on whatever device. Uh, video, we know, has its popularity. Uh, but yeah, to bring people into audio if they're not already into it. Uh, depends, really depends on the metrics. Because how, how do you measure that? You know, long blog articles, okay, they are clicked. Are they read? No. <laughs> uh, how much time is actually being spent on that? Do they understand it? What's being written? You know, yeah. Do they spend more time trolling in comment sections? Um, same thing with videos. Uh, you just don't know. Okay, you can look at web players playing back seventy percent of it, and you get all these stats. But um, what's very interesting in uh, in podcasting is that usually the feedback you get is very involved feedback. People are totally into the content, and and once they listen to it at all, they really tend to. Um, understand um, or at least come up with questions. They, they, they reflect the content uh, very much. 
and um, trolling, I wouldn't say it's non-existent, but it's really not a big issue. And that's amazing, right? For a medium on the internet with uh, such a low troll level, mm. that's that's something uh, absolutely remarkable. And I think it's got tells a lot about uh, podcasting in general and the power of the medium here. So these are things that we need to strengthen and that's what we focus on with the Podlove project. Interestingly, as the Podlove project evolves, you, I'll call it run into, but we encounter these partners, associates, people with somewhat similar goals or a goal that fits into what you were interested in. And I'm thinking perhaps the first example, first such example that I can remember is Ophonic. I mean, how do you come into contact with this Ophonic project? What, if you can explain it briefly and, and how that eventually fits in with what you're doing with Podlove? So actually, Ophonic was kind of a, a catalyst, has a catalyst function in, in, in this whole history because um, it was a reaction to one of my complaints <laughs> I uh, <laughs> steamed off at a, a certain, uh, on one of my regular uh, listener meetings. Huh? So Georg, who was, uh, who was behind the Ophonic project, talked to me and I was complaining about like, why is it so complicated to, you know, encode audio into many files that need to be distributed and it's all handmade and I'm dragging and dropping and today it's iTunes, then it's another tool and sometimes they work and there's so many places of conflict, so many places of uh, potential errors. And um, he kind of consumed this idea and combined it with another idea he had, which was an automated tool on improving audio in quality, which was something I wasn't really dreaming of at the time. You know, I was more interested in the, in the other workflow. Mm -hmm. So he combined these two ideas and came up with this tour. And that was really the point where it's like, now is the time to kick off this Podlove idea, which I was having in my mind and rolling around for a, a longer period of time. I also tried to talk to uh, certain people. So I had actually two um, two initiatives before, which didn't really turn out that well. So, But now, together with um, this idea of Ophonic, I knew like, this is going to be a very strong uh, proposition right now. This is really something that, that could work. And yeah, kind of worked. So Ophonic was uh, very important, still is, because um, it really focuses on, on, on what podcasters need the most by improving audio, providing uh, well-tested loudness uh, levels throughout um, a podcast, which makes listening easier and makes uh, post-production easier for podcasters uh, as well. Other projects chimed in. Uh, Ultraschall, for instance, now tackles the problem uh, that there is no proper recording solution for experienced pro uh, podcasters. Again, you were using tools that are not meant for this job. Oh, you know? the amount of knobs and options and all the extra stuff that you have to, your eyes have to go over before you look at, find what you just want, the simple you know, yeah. four tracks or whatever it is. The first time I <laughs> recorded a long podcast with GarageBand yes. back then, which is considered to be Apple's simple tool to both do all music and podcasting because they sort of kicked in some podcasting features, even chapters at that time. Uh, yeah, then I recorded it and then I found out oh, it stopped <laughs> recording after 999 beats. 
whatever, you know, 999 is probably enough for everybody. Um, not for you. Not for me. So it was an arbitrary boundary here, which, you know, I crashed into and you, it's not working. So Ralf, who was behind kicking off this uh, Ultraschall project, close friend uh, of mine already, and, and he put so much energy into it, assembled other programmers behind this project, more or less the same I did with Podlove, and, and it uh, complements each other. So he was tackling the recording side. Uh, the chapter marks we made popular with Podlove were now easier to generate, you know, and to integrate. So this is really slowly growing and now we are uh, extending with the work of the uh, community into areas we haven't really thought about before the problem with remote podcasting for instance uh, projects like studio link now provide a suburb uh, option to do audio over the internet without tools that are not really meant for the podcaster's need. Like everybody's using Skype, okay. But you've heard so many podcasts with Skype that are just, you know. They have problems. <sighs> they have problems, you <laughs> yes. know. Yeah. Uh, Where'd he go? Hello? <laughs> Where'd you? All right, we'll get him back. <laughs> yes, latency, all these things, echo cancellation. Do you have a new uh, cell phone thing? Okay, uh, what's your Skype? God damn it. I don't see you on my fucking Skype. Hold on. All right. Um. Yeah. This is a mess. All right. I want to find this. Little tiny pieces that are well meant, but that don't really work uh, in this environment. So again, another solution comes up out of nowhere, and there are other projects that try to do this in the future but so then you find yourself in a situation where uh, especially in the first two examples of ophonic and ultra schal where as you're as as pod love is developing you're you're in a sort of constant feedback with these other especially these two particular projects yeah you you talk to each other before you make a move or you talk about what moves you're going to make and get feedback how's that yeah everybody has its own agenda in a way but um Of course, we're talking about uh, formats, we're talking about APIs, we're talking about compatibilities and who should do what and, you know, where, how a workflow can actually uh, work. And there's still a lot of things to be invented, I think. But it's, yeah, it's good because it all came to be in this German-speaking podcast landscape. Uh, and we also didn't really try to be super international from the start all right the podlove website was english because we wanted to communicate both the software and the the standard proposals we had to as many people as you can but community wise we are not trying to overdo it by doing international conferences and mm. trying to line up super prominent people because we didn't really have to it was much more valuable to grow Uh, a certain community that knows each other well, works together well, and builds this trust over time, which is super important. They know each other so people can fail. You know, people can follow a, a, a wrong path for a while. It doesn't really matter. We're all 
get it together and yeah by using regular workshop um, events there is a new capable community that uh, came to life and uh, it's working well yeah and so how do you know when you've uh, when you introduce a new option uh, a new feature and it's a it's a good it's it's a good idea or if it's a bad idea i mean is it all just a matter of feedback do you often you know introduce something new and then this is a terrible idea this option doesn't work yeah i would say we have more ideas than we have actually published or even talked about publicly because we are still caught in this feedback loop and try to find out the right path because once you let it out of the box it's sometimes very complicated to to get it into the box if you need it so that's a typical uh, problem if you try to um, provide new ways of uh, standards or uh, recommendations And also sometimes it's very complicated to get people to uh, pers persuaded to, to actually use um, these features, although we think they are a very cool idea. Again, chapters. Chapters are have been conceived by Apple by being provided as metadata in the files, which is kind of nice. Um, why not? It's the structure of the audio file itself, so it should be in the audio file. But let's say you try to set up a um, a directory of podcasts. You want to have this chapter information readily available. But if it's not in the feed, you would have to download all the files and do complicated parsing and extract the chapter information from these media files. Why? You know, it's just a few strings. You can just put it into the uh, feed. Why not put it there? That's what we do. It's uh, it's a super, super easy idea. It's just, it's, it's not even brilliant in the sense that, that it's a complicated thing that we've finally tackled. No, the, the, the core idea is to make it simple. That's why we call it the portal of simple chapters. It's, it's a very, very simple uh, thing. And just take the simple chapters and then you can enable so much. Programs can... Um, show chapters before the show is even downloaded mm. all these things so but still uh, there is some kind of adoption here and there some podcasters some podcast client developers do it others don't I don't know why because it's so easy and uh, yeah. it be done yeah the, the question of being understood especially as you talk about the internationalization mm. of the project is where there's so many more unknowns including yes. just the simple what would it take for people to understand or see what you see uh or see what many of your users have seen uh and when why why isn't it happening or when when you tr you know that's the trick of the whole yeah and one of the most important concepts here is the timeline a recording means it starts at zero and it ends at n and in between things happen People talk about things and, well, you might not care because you're listening to the show. But one week later, you start thinking, hmm, there was this interesting part. What was it about? And then you don't know how to get there. How do you find this place again? That's a classic problem of the internet. It's very easy to find something, but it's almost completely impossible to find anything again. So... 
what we want to do with the rich metadata concept is that we extend the recordings by describing what its contents. It's time Let me ask you something, though. So you're, you're, as people may notice, uh, your name appears playfully in a, in a lot of these things and uh, Podlove simple chapters. And, and initially, obviously, it was your wish. It was what you wanted to see in podcasting. These few years later, uh, does this project still advance without you constantly pushing it? Well, it does in the sense that other projects have just come up without any specific work by me. Uh, like the two examples I already gave, like Ultraschall and uh, Studioling. I mean, they might have reflected some of my ideas or ideas that came out of Podlove, but I'm not really involved with these projects on a daily basis. I give feedback as many other people uh, do, and I don't think they would stop uh, working if I wasn't there anymore. So in that sense, no. When it comes to Podlove, it's just my my position in the project to to be the guy who constantly talks to people and tries to help out and if things don't move forward and people have a motivational you know pause somehow to yeah. try to let some energy flow to <laughs> to make them uh happy again that's just just what you what you need to do to keep uh, a community alive and as i'm not programming anything really in that uh, project. I mean, I look at the code, I understand the code. Um, I'm capable of finding a bug here and there or, or, or have my own uh, opinion if this is no elegant code or, or it's not, but I have decided to uh, step back and leave this to more capable programmers who really know what they're doing and um, sort of look at these things from above or from below and uh, also make actually use of it because I'm using all those features. My my podcast websites are in constant beta and... Uh, <laughs> and in constant production, so... And yeah. in constant production <laughs> yeah. as well. So it's a, a helpful combination of uh, things. So now uh, in this new year and uh, at the level where we're at in terms of possibilities uh breakthroughs when it comes to producing podcasts what's top priority for you that you want to see uh on that list of issues that needs resolving what do you want resolved you know this year what's on your short list hmm. what's on my short list <laughs> he has a short list in front of him uh, ladies and gentlemen well, the, sh <laughs> the short list is very long because <laughs> i know sometimes there's something that you're close on it's coming it's we're like <laughs> yeah, we're close on, I think, but we have already been close on this for a while, <laughs> so it's always a problem. But I think we're cl closing on the uh, new web player, which is a new architecture that allows more metadata to flow into websites. So it's doing what the old player is doing, but probably better, and uh, opens the door for things I already mentioned, like transcripts. You know, just imagine you have a transcript of your podcast and while you're playing it back, the text flows over the screen and you can just click at a word and you're there. That, that's super helpful. It's also super helpful because it sort of opens up more uh, explanation of what's being said. People are using complicated terminology or names all the time and you're not always understanding them because you're not knowing them yet. 
if you have a place where you can easily find them, click on them, get an explanation from them, then things are better than they have been before. Of course, like with chapters, people come out, where should I get the transcript from? This is so complicated or it's super exp expensive. I know. Today, that's true. Tomorrow, oh, I'm not so sure that's going to be uh, still the case in a few years on. We make um, big, big, big steps forwards uh, in uh, AI, in deep learning systems. I think this whole transcription, automatic transcription thing is something that's coming. But even now, you can do manual transcription. You can do crowdsourced transcriptions. You can do any kind of transcriptions. And uh, if it's not about transcriptions, uh, combining podcasts with things like Wikidata, for instance, which is uh, the best metadata storage out there. Because every single thing that exists and is described in any Wikipedia is there, has an idea, has an ID, can be referenced, can be... Uh, asked about using an API, you can extract information about it. So this enables automatic um, um, listing of glossaries. Um, you can really say what your podcast is about and the machine can find it. Hmm. And it knows if diversion is the term as such or the name of a band. So These are things that we are looking at and hopefully we'll come closer to this this okay. year. All right. The project is Podlove and our guest today is Tim Pritlove. Tim, thanks for taking the time, uh, going through a little bit the, the past into the present. Um, and I'm hoping that, uh, as always, people out there listening who didn't know uh, but have had similar wishes as you may also uh, get active or get informed and get involved in some way. So thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tim Pritlove is a personal media evangelist and a prolific podcast producer. You can learn more about Podlove, his podcasts, including our news review program, News of the World. Just head over to metaebene.me. And that does it for today's program. The essential information, sourcecode.berlin is the website. The same name works on Facebook, Twitter. It's at SRC Code Berlin. Go to any of those places. Let us know what you think. What comes to mind as you're listening to this podcast or any of the previous ones? Music on today's program was by Pictures of a Floating World and Benjamin Banger, both published under a CCBY license on the Free Music Archive. We also had historical clips from the Republica Conference 2014, Tim's talk entitled The Podlove Matrix. There was also a clip from the Daily Source Code, Chaos Radio Express, and the beautiful and bloated Madge Weinstein on Yeast Radio. Sound effects were by Robinhood76, Centuni Man, and ERH from freesound.org, all published under a CCBYNC license. Source Code Berlin is a Wikimedia Deutschland production published under a CCBYSA 4.0 license and edited by me. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Thanks for listening. Wink.
We are. 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 We